Hi everybody, welcome to another episode of the Fuel Your Fandom Podcast. My name is Saint. And I am Jim. The dulcet tones of Jim. How you doing, yeah, buddy? I gotta go a little <clears throat> asado voce on this one because uh, at the risk of making the run-up to this podcast every week, two old guys talk about health problems. You people are idiots! <laughs> I'm still fighting this fucking strep infection. And it's annoying as shit because, like I said before, it keeps coming back and it comes back a little faster every time and it's a little harder to kick every time. So I'm just dealing with that. And, uh, yeah, yeah. so, uh, you know, I'm, I'm going to probably, at the risk of uh, giving you more shit to edit, there might be some coughs or some sneezes popping out of this uh, face that you might have to go back in and mute just because this infection is just fucking hanging on. So, yeah, I'm a little bit, a uh, little bit scratchy, a little bit um, rough, but uh, yeah, I, I'm, I'm gonna make do because uh, I'm a professional, and that's how we roll. It's a little bit scratchy. His feeling inside. I'm not one of those who can easily hide. Truth. <laughs> well, I'm kind of in the same boat, man. I went through like three weeks this last pass of being just nauseous as hell, hardly able to eat at all. <sighs> and uh, so then on, uh, like I said, it's two two old guys talking about their health. That's our new podcast. Yeah. yeah. But uh, I went in and as we've been discussing, I was scheduled to get my uh, colonoscopy done on... Uh, on Halloween. Up yours! It's a very spooky time for a very spooky cave exploration. So. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Uh, so, we've talked about that propofol. Holy shit, that propofol mm. is so, oh, yeah. so good. So good. Milk of amnesia. It just zonked me right out again. Same thing. Hey, we're done. But, uh, on the plus side, they found nothing. Same with my uh, my endoscopy. Same with the colonoscopy. They found nothing, which okay. again, as as I discussed, is 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 a double edged sword because I want them to find whatever is wrong with me, so I can yeah. attack it. But on the other hand, I'm kind of glad that there's nothing wrong inside of both of those ends because I depend on both of those ends, and that's where some cancers lie. So, yeah, very very, very true. And very uh, once you get to that. a certain demographic group as a, uh, a human being in this country, yeah. it's in your best interest to get your spooky cave explored so that you can see <laughs> if there's anything to be concerned about up in there. And, and uh, we've both been bats that in the bell for a year. Yeah. 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 We, we've both been there this month and uh, in, in both cases, they found nothing. Um, I was kind of hoping they'd find intestines, but they found nothing. Um, you know, uh, so I don't know how much time I have, but <laughs> just a giant empty <clears throat> well, uh, orifice. Just echoed in there. Hello, 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 hello. hello? Anybody there? Anybody there? Echo. Echo. At least nothing to be concerned about. And right. uh, again, like anybody tuning into this podcast for like, hey, let's hear about the latest superhero stuff. No, let's hear about the inside of these guys' assholes. But you know what? <laughs> I mean, it's just a reality of being a uh, of being a person of, of a certain age in this country, and uh, I don't know. It was big news when Katie Couric put her colonoscopy on television and everything, but uh, now it's just like it's a routine medical procedure. Nobody gives a shit. Ironically, yeah. I saw there was one uh, news article I saw, and it was fairly recently, and, and I guess it was uh, some guy was getting a colonoscopy, and as they were probing, as they do, they send the camera in and go peeky peeky, and uh, yeah. Apparently, uh, someone was peeky peeking back 
This dude had oh, a, a, no. a ladybug in his in his passage. We don't know, and they don't know how it got there, but he had a ladybug. How does that even happen? I don't know. I don't know if it went in the top end and came out the bottom end, or went in the bottom end some fucking how. But, I mean, that's a pretty uh, hardy ladybug if it can survive the entire digestive tract going in the usual way. It must have come up the uh, <laughs> the back door. It, it, it must have entered through the, uh, the the secret spooky cave. Can you hear me knocking? <laughs> I don't <Yeah>. know. <laughs> but just, why why are you going to get a colonoscopy? I don't know, man. I got a bug up my ass about health. <laughs> I think it was one of those uh, IFL science... Uh, uh, articles that I found that on, um, but I thought that was funny. I'm, I'm glad they didn't find any uh, any uh, multi-legged friends up my uh, spooky shoot. So that's good. <laughs> well, but two of us. But, but, but. Just kidding. That's enough saying. But we're done. <laughs> we're done. We take the easy jokes away from us. Take our toys. But <laughs> God damn it. Bazinga. However. However, that is not what we're here to talk about today. It is no, not. And now, now look, uh, we've got uh, uh, spooky season is now uh, passed into soupy season because mm-hmm. it is fall, and, and I'm looking forward to making some more soups. Now that I got my appetite back rather robustly, uh, it's uh, it's time. I'm ready. I want to make some chowders. Yeah. I want to make some, I'm with you. some tortilla soup. I love all that shit. I love it. I'm I'm already sort of like uh, getting a little bit of a head start. I made um, uh, a, a nice chicken dumpling the other day, and then mm. uh, my lady and I were in the kitchen. Steph and I went to the kitchen. And we made. Uh, sure, mom's got this great recipe for a um, a seasonal uh, soup with uh, with pumpkin sausage and turmeric that was uh, and a whole lot of smoked cheddar, which is just outstanding. And uh, so we enjoyed that. There's still some of that in the fridge. I'll dip into that later. Um, but yeah, spoopy season gives way to, to soupy season, and I, I'm just as here for it as you are. Absolutely. And, uh, now look at this. I got, uh, I pre-ordered, uh, something that, uh, we talk about, uh, video gaming, retro video gaming all the time. That's a thing that we both yeah. share as a, as a, as a love and as an interest. Um, a while back I got the, uh, the Genesis One Mini, finally. Uh, those things have been kind of hard to find at a decent price. They kind of jacked that price right up and finally found one of the half price books up near me and and so I picked that up and it's great it's got like 30 something games on it of the old uh, Sega Genesis era and it's a lot of fun um I they, I noticed almost immediately after I bought that one that they were pre-ordering for the Sega Genesis Mini 2 which oh dear they weren't doing a huge North American release in and so uh, you had to pre-order it through like Amazon, but it's coming from Japan, so unfortunately, no free shipping. Mm. Wah, wah. But uh, I, I pre-ordered that months and months ago, and so I finally uh, it arrived yesterday. And check this Hooray. thing out. Look at this thing. Isn't that nice? It looks oh, like it looks the lovely. Sega Genesis Two, the uh, yeah, the six-button version of the controller, and this thing has. 60-something games on it, including nice. 41 uh, titles specifically from the Genesis. And it's got, well, no, it's got like 49, because it's got seven bonus games that are from the Genesis too. But then it, it's boasting uh, like a dozen of games or more for the uh, uh, Sega CD, which is kind of neat. 
because those things, uh, you, you can't get them to work on an emulator real well, usually. So I'm excited to plug, I just got this yesterday, so I'm excited to plug this in and, and give this thing a whirl. But uh, Sega CD, it's got Echo the Dolphin Sega CD version. Uh, also Echo the Tides of Time. Final Fight CD. Mansion of Hidden Souls. Night Striker. Night Trap. Which I've told is just like an FMV, basically. Uh, Robo Aliste. Sewer Shark. Shining Force CD. Slipheed. And then Sonic the Hedgehog CD. I'm looking forward to playing that one again. I haven't played that one yet. Yeah, I want to say Night Trap was the one with Dana Plato, and it was super controversial because it was like um, an FMV, well, grainy, but for the time it was uh, an FMV game, and it was uh, some kind of like a almost a point-and-click thing where the, some dude was murdering sorority girls or whatever. Yeah, so and was... you're like watching out the window or <clears throat> something like that. Yeah, it was controversial for the time. And it's interesting that they're doing a, a second edition of the, uh, the Genesis Mini because a lot of people... Uh, they they get kind of up in arms about oh the you know the Xbox X and the Xbox S and then there's a new PS5 that just came out very quietly a couple of months ago that apparently has different it, it's it's the functions the same it's totally compatible with every PS4 and PS5 game but it's got slightly different guts that have been right. a little bit uh, streamlined and whatever but but people forget that um, that the the original sort of like uh, same console different form factors thing was the Genesis there were three different versions of that console um, plus the Sega CD. Mm -hmm. uh, so that was kind of the the original, um, you know, we're, we're we're sort of reinventing the wheel idea, and they don't really get credit for that. Sega doesn't get credit for a lot, but speaking of emulation, I just uh, we haven't really talked about this, but about eh, maybe say a month ago, I bit the bullet and picked up something I'd had my eye on for a while. Um, what'd you get? What'd you get? What'd one you get? of the uh, one of the, the the sort of sneaky undercover emulator um, overseas consoles, the 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 Kinhank Super Console X Pro, and. I'm sorry. This is what? one of those that the Kinhank, spelled just like it sounds, K-I-N-H-A-N-K, Super Console X Pro. It looks, it's got the kind of gray uh, form factor, a little bit of like the uh, the Super Nintendo. Um, kind of looks like that's reminiscent of it, and clearly meant to evoke it. Um, mm -hmm. And it claims to come with over a hundred and some thousand games. And it's an emulator console. And you plug it in, and it's got about 50 different consoles in there that it can emulate. And every console has a couple of hundred games. Um, and it's interesting. It's been interesting to play with. The entire ass reason that I bought this thing is because I, when it comes to video gaming, I like retro games. I like certain kinds of games. I really love sandbox open world games. They're my jam. Every time one of those comes out, I'm all over it like white on rice. I love that shit. But... Every once in a while, a game will come along in a genre that I don't usually play, but it stands out to me for whatever reason. And I absolutely fucking loved Advance Wars 1 and 2 on the Game Boy Advance. Turn-based strategy. Yep. I don't usually play war games. I don't play a lot of, I don't play like Call of Duty or Modern Warfare or anything, uh, except once in a while. Uh, I definitely don't play turn-based strategy games, but something about the art style and the, the balanced uh, nature of that game really just uh, grabbed me when I had a Game Boy Advance back in the day, which was a Saturday in this case. <laughs> and I really just played the shit out of it. And there was a, a re-release. There's, there's a Switch remaster that's coming out. I was just going to say, I thought, they, I thought they were going to drop that on the Switch, yeah. They are, yeah. They, they got a Switch remaster that is done, it's in the can, it's ready to go, but it keeps getting delayed. Uh, the most recent rumors that have been kind of like circulating about the Geekosphere 
are that was supposed to be out like over the summer or early fall this year, but they delayed it because they thought that coming out with a game in the middle of uh, the Ukraine-Russia war that was about war, and some of the characters in there kind of present mm. somewhat, you know, Russian, like the first guy that you fight is a guy named Olaf, and he wears kind of a quasi-Russian costume. Um, little too on the nose. A little nose. too on the nose, yeah. A lot of the, the they're, they're like fake uh, nations in there, but they're clearly reminiscent of like actual nations. And so uh, they delayed the game, and it's it's got a release date on Amazon that. now. Of, of uh, I get that. Yeah, I do. I do. But it's you know it looks really good. They remastered it. It's got updated graphics. It's kind of like almost three D top down isometric now. It always kind of was. It was like a you know it looked like a Legend of Zelda style with an overhead pixel map. Um, but they've kind of tilted it a little bit on like an isometric kind of thing, and it's it looks it's it plays the same. All the levels are translated exactly, but it's just it's got updated graphics. Was really looking forward to playing this because I the, the Switch is still remains my least touched console. Um, I love my Switch just because I really, you know, I I, I like it. I want to like it more than I do, but I bought it specifically to play Mario Odyssey and Breath of the Wild, and I played through both of those excellent games. But they're the first party games. I'm telling you, but every time Metroid Dread, you need to play Metroid. Yeah, Dread. you know, it's, I'm I'm definitely going to get to pick that up at some point. But I I, I go through the the Switch store. And it just looks like a lot of cartoony shovelware pixel art side-scrolling bullshit. And I'm just like, that's it really is. not what I'm into. Yeah. yeah. And so I, every time I go and look, I think, you know, I haven't touched the Switch in a minute. I'll fire it up and see what's new on the store. And none of it is anything I'm interested in. You know, I just, I don't have a whole lot of, of, of interest. I mean, I like I like real retro games, but I don't like games that are, I'm not, I, don't, I can't retro. say I don't like them. Quasi-retro. Fake retro. Yeah, the, the sort of like pixel art 8-bit style. I, I'm not a fan of that as a... As a design concept, I like the original stuff, but only because of the nostalgia factor and because those games are really good. And I'm sure these new games are too, but I'm just not interested in them. So I don't really do that much. So I've been looking forward to picking up this game, but I bought this Kinhank Super Console X Pro, which is a mouthful and a half, specifically to play Advance Wars because it is mm-hmm. on the console. And I do actually have it on the Anbernick, uh handheld, which we both have. Mm-hmm. Um, that kind of uses the same Emulek uh, OS to to run the ROMs, but the nature of the game is that the the maps are kind of dense, and it doesn't really translate well on a handheld. It's a little hard to see. Um, so I could have just bought like a Raspberry Pi and built my own deck and and ported over the SD card from the handheld and done all that, but I didn't want to do that because That's I effort. like the handheld the way it is. Yeah. yeah, I mean you're the guy that mods consoles. I don't have a talent for it. Um, <laughs> So I just kind of like buy my way out of those issues. So I saw this thing advertised. It popped up in my things you may like on Amazon. And fuck that algorithm for being pretty accurate most of the time. <laughs> and then I looked up a couple of, uh, of YouTube uh, reviews on this thing. And they said, look, it's, it's a very capable little retro emulation machine. It's got fuck tons of ROMs on it. Um, be warned in advance, they don't all work. But the thing is, like, you might find <laughs> one in uh, 200 that, that kind of crashes out on you. But whatever, you've got 111,000 games on this thing or something like that. And most of the classics you like are here, and you also have the option of putting on your own ROMs if you can <clears throat> find them or source them ethically. Source them ethically. Uh-huh. Do you want to join my pirate crew? Which, you know, ethically oh, like, is not a concern if you're buying I this like console in the first place. I like cute little wannabe PlayStation 1 or 2 controllers. Yeah, it looks like that. But, you know, I'm, I'm kind of like you when it comes to these ROMs and things like that. Like, the people that made these games 30 years ago have been paid a thousand times over. You know, I mean, the emulation thing might be technically shady in terms of like the ethics or maybe even the legality but you know nobody's going to be chasing down royalties on a 35 year old nintendo game they're just not right. they got paid for that a long time ago and outside of like 
buying an NES and then scouring secondhand stores for the rest of my life. This is this, this meets my needs in terms of, of a thing that I can just fire up and mess around with whenever I feel the need to uh, yeah. go back and play a couple rounds of Super Mario. So it works in that respect. Um, and I really like it a lot. And, and the, the translation, the emulation of Advance Wars is perfect. And being able to play Advance Wars, which was originally on a GBA screen, being able to play it on a 65-inch 4K screen, um, in better. my old age, that appeals to me. Yeah. Mo better. I like now, it. And, of course, I'm there's thousands of other games not, on that, too. It's not bad. It's, it's a design. No, it's like $120. Yeah. Uh, the controllers are a little bit janky, but the thing is, you can use any uh, Bluetooth controller with it. So I just haven't paired anything. So you could use a, 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 an Xbox controller. You could buy one of those replacement uh, Super Nintendo controllers for the, the small deck and use that. I, but I, I've I got one of the, What I use way. for Bluetooth controllers, I've got one of those 8-bit dough uh, controllers. Yeah. That I pair up. That's what I use for my uh, my Raspberry Pi that I haven't played in ages, but uh, that I built right before I got... Because I built a Raspberry Pi system that looks like the uh, mini NES, the NES yeah. uh, Classic. Because at the time when I built that thing, you couldn't get your hands on an NES Classic. They were hard to mm-hmm. find. And yeah. so I, I made my own. Fuck it, I'll make my own. And 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 uh, I, so I bought this it's a, back in Fry's, when Fry's was a thing. Uh, I yep. bought the 8-bit dough uh, wireless controller, and it's it's really high-quality, good controller. So, um, Well, speaking of Switch games that that want you to play the system, they they ported a game that I bought like five, six years ago, No Man's Sky. Oh, wow. They, they ported that to the Switch. Now, of course, there's going to be a bit of a graphical dumbing down. There's going to be. I mean, you can't help it. With a, a game that is all procedurally generated like uh, No Man's Sky, uh, the graphics on like the PS5 and, and the Xbox and all that are just superior. They're going to be. I mean, it's no contest. Yeah. This mm-hmm. is, You're, you're, you're kind of dumbing it down for a handheld, basically. But I've really been enjoying it. Uh, starting from scratch is kind of interesting. Having to relearn a different control scheme is interesting, but... Uh, it's it's fun. It, it, it's a good little time waster. I, I really enjoy it. Yeah, I picked up No Man's Sky um, it, as soon as it stopped being a PlayStation exclusive. It showed up on Xbox Game Pass, and I grabbed it, and it's been yeah. sitting there, and I haven't dipped into it yet because, well, there's two reasons. First of it is is that the initial release of the game was not as well received as it should have. Oh been no, because it was a no, little no, bit no. of a, a Peter Molyneux, you know, overselling and under delivering <laughs> thing. Yep. From uh, from those guys, and it just was not the game people expected it to be. Uh, there were a lot of uh, there's a lot of misinformation around it. Oh, you'll be able to to, it's, to meet each other, but it's not going to be likely because you've got how many quintillion planets, and you know if you for you to be on the other the same planet as somebody else. But then people figured out how to do it, and they figured out they were lying about that. Um, but I have seen several articles in the game's press that said after several patches, several updates, and some DLC, the game is actually really worth playing now. Yeah. So I keep meaning to get to it. So I'm, I'm, I've overcome it's, my, my it's reservations It's basically a initially. different game now. It's a different game now. They've, yeah. they've added so yeah. much more. Well, I've gotten around my initial reluctance to play it because of the bad reviews, but uh, I, I understand that it's a better game now. But it also is a very daunting game to pick up for the first time if you're looking yes. at how huge it is and thinking about yes. I only have a limited amount of time to game every week. So I kind of want to pour something, you know, my, my, my energy into something where I can sort of like mark measurable progress as opposed to, hey, it's a big old, you know, universe-sized sandbox. Like a good-looking micro uh, Minecraft, basically. Yeah, yeah. 
It's 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 interesting. It's a lot of fun, and and my daughter's clamoring to play it now, so that's fun. It'll it'll be interesting to see what she can do with it too. But uh, but speaking of video games and video game yeah. related properties, a little as bit we of, uh, do. Yeah, a little, little bit of more nerd news dropped this week. The internet is aflame Uh-oh. with news that Henry Cavill will be dropping out of the role of Geralt of Rivia in the Witcher TV series on Netflix uh, as of season three. four. Yeah, yeah, well, yeah. After season three, starting season four, he'll be out as uh, Geralt, and he'll be replaced by Liam Hemsworth. People are pissed. Yeah, and I don't not know. That, kind not of not that they about hate. It. Not that they hate Liam Hemsworth, they just really no. like Henry Cavill, and I yeah, for good you, reason. Yeah. He's a dude. He's he's, yes. he's a dude's dude. Yeah, and when you've got a character that's so an actor that so perfectly embodies a character like Henry does with Geralt, um, he, the, the whole they changed it now it sucks thing definitely applies because you know Liam Hemsworth is fine. Nobody doesn't like Liam Hemsworth. I mean, he's not Chris Hemsworth. I mean, let's be honest, but you know, <laughs> people liked him and everything he was in. He was great in Hunger Games. He did uh, a lot I mean, of stuff that was pretty well received. Miley likes him. Oh, I, you he, know that's true. I suppose that liked true. liked him. I don't know. I don't know. I no, I think they, I think they did actually wind up getting married. I don't know. I don't really pay hmm. attention to, to celebrity gossip for the most part, unless it's nerd related, which in this case it is. But yeah, so Liam Hemsworth will be uh, will be joining the cast of The Witcher as of season four as Geralt. And, and we all know why. We all know why. It's because he's we all know his, why. His, his his a commitment to play Superman. We discussed That's the part that they're not saying out loud. Right. Yeah. Well, we discussed it last week, and James Gunn is, has been posting that he's super excited to finally get to meet and work with Henry Cavill and, and do all this. And Henry Cavill's promising a, a brighter take on Superman, so a little less Zack Snydery and a little more, you know, fun and, and, and lighter. A little more Christopher Reeve, probably. Hopefully, that we could use a little of that in the DCU or whatever, the DC movie Facts. universe, whatever they're calling it now. But the fact of the matter is, is people are, like you said, they're not willing to let him go. They're like, well, fuck Superman, stay on here. You're, you're good here. We like you here. And uh, Yeah, well, and that's I the mean, problem. When, you, when you're a, a square-jawed guy like Henry Cavill, who has an incredibly adaptable face and a physique that's been chiseled out of marble, uh, <laughs> especially in the superhero and, and uh, uh, video game-obsessed culture that we live in, He's, he's going to be the guy for the job in a lot of cases. He's he's the perfect Superman. He's the perfect Geralt. Um, so that's just the problem. But Steph made the point the other day that, like, you know, Henry, you got to kind of leave some crumbs on the table for other people. He <laughs> has become, like, the the He's the, he's the go-to guy. Yeah, he's he's the Chris Evans of the other side of the comic book universe. Yeah. Well, and, and the, uh, to that point, I mean, didn't we say he's also going to be in the new Highlander movie they're doing? Yeah, he is the new Highlander too, and that was what prompted the the uh, the, the comment from Steph. She was like, well, "Yeah, God, he's gonna be he's Geralt, he's Superman. Now he's gonna be you know the Highlander. What you, you gotta you gotta leave something for the rest of us, dude. You gotta not snap up every you know muscle bound charisma role there is." I'm looking forward to hearing his take on it, a Belgian accent. Honestly, there can be only one. Yeah, well, I mean, he's he's kind of an accent guy. He does a, a good job, he's you know, uh, picking up the American accent. Him. He's not going to do a Belgian accent. I'm just making fun of Christopher Lambert. Well, you know, I mean, that was, that to me, that was one of my favorite parts of the original Highlander uh, series. Was, well, first of all, I, I, I got into Highlander when it first came out because Queen did the soundtrack. And obviously we've been over how much of a Queen fan I am. No. Um, but I wound up being surprisingly, uh, you know, uh, taken by the film. But what kind of messed me up about it was, um, you know, these characters are ostensibly Scottish. 
the Highlands, the Highlander. It's set in Scotland. <laughs> uh, but Christopher Lambert made no sort of uh, uh, yeah, uh, guise of like hiding the Belgian accent. And then we got... Sean Connery, who is actually Scottish. I'm actually Scottish, but my name's Sanchez. I'm from Spain. So it just, <laughs> that whole movie was almost as laughable as like, you know, uh, Hunt for Red October. Yes, I'm a Russian U-boat captain. I mean, you know, Sean Connery, God love him, and I do. Uh, he never made any attempt to, uh, to to do any accent work. He's like, you know um, what, fuck it, I'm just me. You, you work around me. Yeah. And yeah, Christopher Lambert being the Scottish Highlander was almost as egregious as Christopher Lambert being the uh, the the, the uh, Chinese thunder god Raiden with the same Belgian accent. <laughs> but you know, hey, right? I guess if you're if you're if you're charismatic enough, um, you can get. You know, Arnold Schwarzenegger's been been rocking that Austrian accent for fucking fifty years in Hollywood. So I guess you know, give them their due. They're, they're doing their best out there. I'm glad they're trying to cast these roles in a bit more realistic way because it's like uh, the, the the I mean. The blow up after uh, Tilda Swinton was hired as uh, the the uh, yeah. cho- or not the chosen one. What was her name? The uh, ancient one. The ancient one. Yeah. And then uh, Sar- uh, ScarJo saying that she wasn't going to be playing an Asian character in Ghost in the Shell, and yeah, you were. And then she got all defensive about it. It's like, you know, I'm glad they're working on more appropriate casting choices for these kind of things. Yeah. I mean, it was, it was kind of a, a one-two-three punch of that. It was Tilda Swinton, and it was ScarJo, and then it was uh, Emma Stone, the, the very oh, Irish, yeah. giantly round-eyed, blonde and fair-skinned Emma Stone playing a half-Asian woman in that Cameron Crowe movie that nobody saw because, mm-hmm. you know, she took on the role that she should not have. But I was just listening to a podcast the other day on the road trip. I was catching up with Dax Shepard's podcast, uh, Armchair Expert, which is a good podcast. We haven't heard it. And he had Tom Hanks on. And he and his co-host Monica Hanks. were talking to Tom Hanks. Yeah, and they were they were talking to him about his first Oscar for Philadelphia, which was obviously a very landmark film in the '90s, kind of tackling the AIDS crisis, kind of in a roundabout way through the uh, doing an end run around it um, right. by making it into a courtroom drama with Denzel Washington. It was a fantastic fucking movie, right. but of course, as we've talked about you and I uh, quite a bit. The, the idea of like casting people who don't belong to a given demographic to play people in that demographic kind of undercuts the representation angle because there are a lot of disabled or trans or LGBTQ actors who have been passed over for those roles in Hollywood traditionally, and it's, it's happening less and less now. But they touched on the idea that Tom Hanks uh, would not today have been able to be cast in Philadelphia because his character in Philadelphia was a gay man and Tom Hanks is not. And... Right. Monica Padman, who is Dax Shepard's co-host on that podcast, is um, a first-generation Indian American, so she's pretty sensitive to issues of representation and kind of, you know, becomes the, at the risk of, like, being a, a tokenized voice for an entire uh, alternative culture that is not the white, you know, host. Um, they don't want to put her on the spot and make her a, a spokesperson for the monolith, but she does wind up speaking a lot of representation issues, and she should. But she told him that, you know... It, Given the time, given the zeitgeist in which that movie was made, Tom Hanks was about the only person who could have played it under the circumstances. Right. Um, because he was, you know, and still is in many ways, America's most beloved actor. And uh, if you've seen this uh, weekend's uh, uh, Saturday Night Live, which I have, you kind of understand, you know, that why, in many ways, why that's the case. Um but yeah, she made the case that he uh, broke that role and played that role very sympathetically, very empathetically, very sensitively, um, in the best way that he could. And America would not really have accepted, because there weren't really many out gay actors in Hollywood at the time, in the early to mid-90s. 
So right. Tom Hanks, being this this beloved character actor, was able to play that role sensitively under the the auspices of the time and, and really pull it off and won an Oscar for it. But then they went on to talk about how you know things like Gilbert Grape and Forrest Gump, where we have Leonardo DiCaprio and Tom Hanks playing mentally challenged people who, you know, they don't really tend to make those movies anymore because they were sort of, even at the time, seen as slightly exploitive, but also because you couldn't, you know, cast a, a an actor who didn't have challenges to play those roles now. And, you know, finding actors who do have those challenges, who are able to sort of handle the rigors of that and, and, and be able to take that stuff on, is just a challenge in and of itself. So the sort of idea of representation in media and, and why it's a good thing and why you shouldn't cast, you know, a, uh, a, a cis actor to play a trans character or a straight actor to play a gay character, um, these are discussions we're having sort of uh, both in the back rooms of, of entertainment and also just in the larger pop culture um, uh, at large. But they're important conversations. And so that was, I think, interesting for her to say, yeah, now you probably would not have gotten those roles. But at the time, you were the only one that could have played them. And I kind of agree with that. Yeah. Um, so it's changing. Things are changing, and, and uh, it's important that they do. Look, I was uh, as we were talking, I, I kind of scrolled through news articles just to make sure we're not missing anything. And, and there's a big one right now. And I've seen this article pop up like a dozen times, so I want to make sure I mention it. Uh, yeah. Nightmare Before Christmas director Henry Selleck says it's a little unfair... That Tim Burton gets all the credit. That is not what I signed up for. And, and of course, everyone who's seen Nightmare yeah. Before Christmas knows that it's it's a Tim Burton-style movie, and Tim Burton did produce part of this movie, but he isn't the one who directed it. But the name nope. on top of it is Tim Burton's The Nightmare Before Christmas. Mm-hmm. And uh, and they were capitalizing on the success of Batman and Edward Scissorhands and, and all that shit. And uh, Henry Selleck, who directed it, is kind of undersold. Nobody knows the name. Nobody knows it's attached because everyone just assumes it's Tim Burton's movie, you know? And uh, his name's right about the title. That's a horrible misconception, and I kind of understand why he's a little pissed off. He says, That was a little unfair because it wasn't called Tim Burton's Nightmare Before Christmas until three weeks before the film came out. And I would have been fine with it if that's what I signed up for. But Tim was in L.A. making the features while I directed that film. And I mean, Tim is a a genius, or he certainly was in his most creative years. I always thought his story was perfect, and he designed the main characters, but it was really me and my team of people who brought that to life. Now, of course... And that's an important thing to point out, because stop motion is just absolutely some of the most tedious shit you can possibly undertake as a filmmaker. And then he made a joke. He said, now, of course, if you ask Danny Elfman, he's going to say it's his movie, but, you know. <laughs> uh, I get God, it. I love I Danny get Elfman. It. I get why he's pissed. I get it. I mean, and yeah. maybe even pissed is, is not the right word. Maybe just uh, disappointed. I don't know. Yeah. But I kept seeing that pop uh, up, and I wanted to make sure <clears> I addressed it, because it's, I mean, everyone loves Nightmare Before Christmas, so. Yeah, well, Henry Selleck is Hollywood's stop-motion guy, because in addition to doing, uh, um, Nightmare Before Christmas, he also did uh, Coraline and mm-hmm. um, James and the Giant Peach and a movie that I just watched last night on uh, Netflix, uh, Wendell and Wild, which is a Henry Selleck-directed film that was uh, co-produced and co-written. Jordan Peele? Yeah, with Jordan Peele of, of yeah. uh, Key and Peele, and also um, he's branched out quite a bit into thriller and uh, the thriller and horror space with movies like yes. Us, Nope, Nope, and, um, and Get Out. 
brilliant oh. filmmaker, and you know people didn't expect um, to to be able to see uh, a, a comedian, somebody who's known for being one of the funniest people alive, to branch out into these um, into these kinds of movies. But yeah, Henry Selleck needs his due, um, and he really should have it. But something that, that actually brings up uh, another interesting point that I wanted to make. Um, Jordan Peele is uh, known was well, he started his career as being a comedian. Right. And um, he uh, branched out into the thriller slash horror space with the movies that I just talked about. But that actually has also just happened recently in another case. Uh, a guy named Zach Kreger uh, was a, uh, a member of the Whitest Kids You Know uh, sketch comedy troupe. I remember that. And, yeah, kind of like Key and Peele. But Zach Kreger um, recently uh, was the writer and director of the film Barbarian. I've not seen that, but I've heard good things. Um... So did I, which is why I watched it, and I won't spoil it for you or anybody listening, but I'm, I'm, I came away from it wondering why it was so lauded. That's all I'll say about it. I mean, huh. it is surprising. There are some things there that I didn't expect, but they were things I didn't expect from a, oh, really? Standpoint more than a holy shit standpoint. <laughs> so, yeah, watch it. It's worth a watch, but I, I didn't feel like it lived up to the hype. I'll just say that to not, to not uh, shit on it for anybody else. Um, that's all I'm going to say about that one. Interesting. I'll put that on my list. I've also got, I was, uh, talking to Aaron DiRive on, uh, Facebook. And so I had to put, uh, uh, Cabinet of Curiosities on my, on my list as well. So yeah. It's Guillermo del Toro's new anthology yeah. series, isn't it? Yeah. And so, uh, now that's on my list too. So I got to get going. I got to get moving. My list is not moving very fast, so. Well, we, we do, as we've discussed before, live in a golden age of entertainment where there's just a glut of stuff, especially if you're a nerd, which I think it's safe to say we both are. Um, there's just so much. Like, I'm with you. My queue will never be caught up on because I'm adding three things for every one thing I watch. But and the, It's kind of nice to be spoiled for choice because for so many years we were just really in a, a drought of decent entertainment. Well, and I mean, and that kind of leads into what I want to talk about today, actually. Yeah. All right. Uh, I kind of wanted to talk about the fact that we always talk about, like you said, we're spoiled for choice and we have a glut of, of content available to us. Um, at a certain point, though, when does that become detrimental? Now, we talked about uh, like our Netflix queue and how we'll never, ever be mm -hmm. done with our Netflix queue. And, 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 and we'll always Once have you add in all the other streaming add. services, you know, I yeah. still haven't gotten around to Halo on Paramount yet. I got to catch up in the last two seasons of Ink Master and... I still haven't dug into Cobra Kai or any of the things that yeah. I promised I'd watch months ago. <laughs> and, it, and it just gets, it becomes more and more daunting, more and more heavy a task. And I mean, shit, just with things like uh, uh, the Marvel Cinematic Universe, we're now how many movies deep? 30 movies deep? 32 movies deep? Something like that? 12 TV years and like 30 plus and, films, yeah. Yeah, it's a and, lot. And so, I mean, if you're just, for some reason, haven't started any of the MCU films, you're screwed. You've got a lot of watching to do. And uh, that's kind of what I wanted to discuss. It's like, at what point does too much become the, the issue? At what point does this glut become overwhelming? Because, I mean, <sighs> I mean look, at the, look at Star Wars. For a long time, Star Wars was just three movies. And mm -hmm. then the 90s hit, the late 90s, early 2000s, and then it was six movies. Whether you liked yep. the other three or not, it was six movies. And there were but extended the, universe novels, but they were kind of niche and, yeah. you know, only the novels, hardest core of the hardest video core games, read them. Yeah. yeah, video games and, and 
comic books and things like that that, that take a tackle what they called the extended universe at that time. And if you're a geek like I am, you did keep up sort of well with that. I mean, I, I read all the Star Wars novels and everything, but I had a lot more time back then to read. Yeah, um, didn't we all? <laughs> but the issue becomes now, I mean, look at what's happening with Star Wars now. Now, if, if you were to task with me and say, you know, there's going to be three more movies, and then there's going to be side movies, and then there's going to be TV shows, and then there's going to be, you know, miniseries and spinoffs, and... and at one point, I would have said, oh, there's no such thing as too much Star Wars. Bring it on. You know, let's go. But I think, is that kind of feeding the uh, toxic fandom just a little bit? Now, we've talked about toxic fandom being like, oh, uh, mm-hmm. this isn't this isn't my Star Wars. I don't like, you know, so-and-so as an actor, and I don't like such-and-such such as a storyline, so I, that's not my Star Wars. Bring back Empire Strikes Back, blah, blah, blah. And, Does providing more of this content just feed the trolls? Is, is it just giving them more to chew on? Or or is it trying to serve every aspect and every facet of the audience equally? Because, yeah, there were people that looked at Oscar Isaac and Daisy Ridley and John Boyega and go, Oh, we got a woman and a Latino and a black dude. That's not the white people I'm used to. It's the <laughs> fucking universe, dude. There's, you know, if you walk into the... Uh, the Mos Eisley bar, you've got 70,000 different species in there. People come in different flavors, too. Get used to it. Um, that reminds me but, of my favorite uh, scene from Chasing Amy. Uh, and I know yeah. you know which one I'm talking about. Oh, yeah. Talking at the Comic-Con where Hooper X is talking about uh, uh, Darth Vader. and Always some white boy got to invoke the Holy Trilogy. Bust this. Those movies are about how the white man keeps the brother man down. Even in a galaxy far, far away. Check this shit. You got Cracker Farm Boy, Luke Skywalker, Nazi Poster Boy, blonde hair, blue eyes. And then you got Darth Vader, the blackest brother in the galaxy, Nubian God. What's a Nubian? Shut the fuck up. And they gonna bust up Vader's hood, the Death Star. Now what the fuck do you call that? Intergalactic Civil War? Gentrification! And Jedi's the most insulting installment because Vader's beautiful black visage is sullied when he pulls off his mask to reveal a feeble, crusty old white man. They trying to tell us that deep inside, we all wants to be white. Well, isn't that true? What's a new being? Bitch, you almost made me laugh. Man, what about you? You didn't tell me you were going to scream black rage. I nearly pissed myself. Yeah. Absolutely one of my favorite clips of that whole movie. <laughs> what the fuck do you call that? Intergalactic Civil War? Gentrification! Oh, Jesus Christ. I thought that was fucking great. What's a Nubian? <laughs> <laughs> Bitch, I oh, almost God, pissed so myself. <laughs> uh, fucking hilarious. But yeah, there's if, if you are a Star Wars fan and you can accept the diversity of... You know, there being 17 different species just in the war room. Right. Um, how can you bitch about different different flavors of humanity? Ethnicities, yeah. It's Everybody deserves to see themselves. But to a degree, I think sort of the, the, uh, the, the fragmentation or the diversification of the, the Star Wars, the, the, uh, the universe, the, the Lucasfilm thing, kind of, I, I don't want to, whether you like it or whether you don't, I, blame slash credit Disney. Because Disney 
has always been kind of at the forefront of being able to find ways to monetize their properties. And we've talked oh, about yeah. this before. I, I, I don't give them shit for it because Disney produces some of the best entertainment the world has ever seen, period. I mean, I don't begrudge them their ability to merchandise um, because they, the actual central product, in most cases, is just so good. Um, so when Disney bought Star Wars, when Disney bought Marvel, I had a feeling that that was going to become an aspect of what it was that they did. They were going to start breaking things out. They were going to start really just trying to milk that cash cow for every last drop it's worth, uh, every last drop of blue milk that it's worth, and mm-hmm. they have done that in a lot of ways. Because, um, yeah, I... Look, well, yeah, I'm, we all, we all knew Wars it was going to happen. We all knew it was going to happen. They're we buying did. it for a reason. And for the most part, they've done a good job with it, from what I understand. Now... I'm going to absolutely cut a corner off of my geek cred card with this admission, but I've talked about it before. Because, like, the, the theme of the episode today, there's just such a glut of entertainment, it's impossible to keep up on it all. I have not seen any of the Star Wars series on Disney+. Plus, Any of them. And I mean, I haven't seen Mandalorian, I haven't seen Book of Boba Fett, I haven't seen Andor, I haven't seen... I'll watch the, the what I call, like, the Skywalker Saga films. I've watched all nine of the central films. All three right. trilogies. But I haven't seen Rogue One. You know, I haven't seen Solo. I haven't seen any of the, what I consider to be the, the cinematic equivalent of the extended universe novels. And it's not because I'm not interested in the universe or because <clears throat> I don't like the stories or the characters or any of that. I just don't have the fucking time. I just don't. So I had to make a very conscious decision to sort of not give those things the gas face, but just I just have to, I, I have to add a draw a line somewhere. And my line is, I, I, you know, as much as I love Ewan McGregor in the Obi-Wan role, I haven't seen the show. And won't. You know, I, 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 there are a lot of things on my queue that I just, yeah, I'm going to get to that eventually. I have every intention of watching it. I got to give a pass on some of these Star Wars, not some of them, on all the Star Wars series. And all the TV shows, all the sort of non-Skywalker films. As brilliant as I understand Donald Glover was as, uh, um, as Lando Calrissian, and I, apparently he was. I just, I, I'm not seeing, I don't have the time. I don't have the time to, to crawl into every single corner of the universe where Disney decides Lucasfilm left an unexplored story. So, um, See, I'm and, kind and of probably pick, unqualified to speak on, on those. We're picking on Star Wars here, but this, I mean, this is a conversation that kind of bridges all fandom at this point, and that's, yeah. you know, where, where I'm at with it, because we're having the same thing happen with Star Trek now. Star mm-hmm. Trek was one series at a time, mostly. You know, you had your TOS, you had your next gen. For a brief minute, you had Voyager and and Deep Space Nine running concurrently, but not very long. And and then you know Enterprise doing its thing. And but how many Star Trek series do we have currently on the air between TV and streaming right now? Well, Discovery is still going. Discovery, Lower Decks is going. Picard, Prodigy is Lower going. Decks, Picard. Prodigy, Strange New Worlds. I forgot about that one. There's like this is five or six shows that's, all that's at the same five time. five at least right now. And uh, yeah, and that's just the ones that are currently producing episodes. And there's yeah. more in the pipe from what I understand. And and I was going to bring this up as an aside. There's a really fascinating uh, new take on the main continuity comic. They just call it Star Trek. They just re- relaunched a comic called Star Trek. And it's uh, it follows Ben Sisko, Captain Sisko, who... If anyone watches Deep Space Nine, he knows at the end of Deep Space Nine, he went into the uh, Celestial Temple with the Prophets and and became basically a god. 
And uh, so that's kind of the impetus between behind this new series is he comes out of the celestial temple because someone's killing gods or quote unquote gods. Uh, and there's a lot of god tier type aliens in the Star Trek universe. Q and the Metrons and mm-hmm. uh, Trelane and, and Gary Mitchell and all these people, the celestial prophets and all these. But something's killing them. Kind of like your Gore the God Butcher. Um, yeah. And so he's been tasked by the prophets to come out and try and figure out what the hell. And so he assembles like this ragtag crew of 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 different characters from all of time and space, basically. So he can pull from any time period. He's got like a younger version of Beverly Crusher. He's got Data uh, from whenever he plucked Data. I don't know. I haven't read the book yet. Uh, it just launched, but... Uh, uh, he's ca- he's come in command of the USS Theseus, and uh, the literal ship of Theseus, and uh, mm-hmm. trying to track down a god killer. So it's interesting, but but yeah, I mean, it's if, I feel like it might be kind of feeding this horrible uh, toxic fandom machine, this horrible troll machine, because like you said, we got uh, we went from having one storyline at a time, which is something that we can focus on. It's like whether you hate it or you like it. Enterprise, yeah. whether you hate it or you like it, you know, Voyager, whether you hated it or liked it, they, it, it really gave the producers and someone the energy to just focus on this one thing intermittently with a movie here or there. But uh, the idea was it was just one take of the universe at a time. And now all of a sudden we've got these multiple different versions of these multiple different stories. Uh, some aimed at kids, some aimed at comedy, you know, like, like Prodigy. Wonderful show. They're breaking ground with Prodigy right now. And it's a Nickelodeon show. Uh, yeah. you, you also have uh, Lower Decks, which is fantastic. And a, a great addition to some of the canon. But ostensibly played for laughs. I mean, you got all these different versions and takes of these shows. Of this Star Trek universe at large. And even satellite shit like The Orville, which I keep hearing rumors that might be coming back for a season four. And I'm crossing my fingers on that. So, yeah, it's just, there's there's just so much. And as a committed nerd who loves all this stuff, who loves sci-fi, who loves superhero stuff, who loves fantasy, I mean, and of course, then, right now, we've got the uh, the, the warring factions uh, between Rings of Power and House of the Dragon. Um, <laughs> because, you Which know, Lord of the Rings and, and Game of Thrones are so popular yeah. that they're just coming up with stuff to, to you know, spin-offs. It's essentially spin-offs. Well, um, just like, House uh, of the Dragon came from a book, so I mean it's not yeah. exactly a spinoff, but I mean it's. But I mean it's the sort of thing like when when Harry Potter was popular, but uh, you know, turfy J.K. Rowling wasn't writing any more books about Harry Potter. They had to kind of go back and do you know the Grindelwald stuff. I mean it's just if these properties are popular enough, they're going to find ways to squeeze every last penny and every last eyeball out of the properties. Yep. And it's just it's it's so much. It's just so much. I have already, like I said, the same thing with the Star Wars series. Um, you know, with your Andors and your Bad Batches and your Books of Boba Fett. See, I, I have made the conscious decision that I really can't participate in that. I just don't have the time. However, I am all in on Marvel, but I'm still behind on Marvel. I haven't seen Moon Knight yet. I definitely oh, watched... you're missing um, out. That's a good one. I'm going to do it. That's that's one of the ones that, even though I haven't gotten to it yet, I'm going to. I still um, haven't I watched, watched Werewolf Marvel. by Night. I haven't watched Werewolf by no, Night. No, I haven't seen that either. But I watched Ms. Marvel, I watched She-Hulk, I watched Hawkeye, I watched all that. I'm going to watch all 
Disney just announced, you know, 50 new series. Some of them are incredibly <laughs> niche characters, like uh, like Echo, who was a, a minor uh, antagonist in the Hawkeye series, but is a very cool character. She's getting her own show. I mean, it's just nuts, the amount of stuff they're putting out. She's and, got the Phoenix Force in the uh, in the Marvel yeah. Comics universe right now. Yeah, so it's just, it's just crazy. Crazy yeah. the amount of stuff there is, and I'm having a hard time keeping up, and that's... Really, well, kind of what the, we're getting at here. That's the other side of the coin. Now we we talked about them feeding the trolls with this, and of course your mileage may vary. Of course, we want everyone else to weigh in on this. Where do you feel this sits? But the other side of that coin is: at what point does it become too fan servicey, too niche, too? Mm-hmm. I mean, Obi Wan kind of felt a little bit fan servicey, just because you know we love you and McGregor in the role. We love uh, most of us love Hayden Christensen. Uh, once they finally gave him a chance to do his Hayden Christensen thing. Because he's yeah. not a bad actor. Hayden no. Christensen is not a bad actor. He got a bad jo- rap. George Lucas was kind of a bad director. And, and I, I, I know I, I'm going to catch a lot of hate for saying that. But you know what? Fucking, he's a good world builder. But he needs to let the reins go sometimes. And why do you think Empire Strikes Back was so good? George Lucas didn't direct it. Irvin Kershner nope. did. So. Yeah. Another one of those sort of Henry Selleck, Tim Burton things where he doesn't get the credit because it's a Lucasfilm movie. Right. But, and, and it's that same thing. It's like we've got all these different forays into Star Wars, all these different forays into Marvel. Uh, not so much with DC because they can't get their shit in a row and they're turds in a group. Or what is it? Turds in a herd, poops in a group? Isn't that what you usually yeah. say? They can't yep. seem to get that going. Hopefully James Gunn will be able to write that ship. Um, I have faith in that. I do. Um, but they can't, I mean, Marvel has so much stuff and, and, and like you say, it's just becoming to the point where you have to kind of make a commitment or make a decision whether or not you're going to follow something. And you kind of perfectly exemplify exactly what I'm getting at is, is there's just too much. It's too much. And, and if you're not like nerdy like me, where you sit down and watch like six or seven hours of TV a week, and even I'm behind uh, now that yeah. Rings of Power and House of the Dragon have stopped, I can maybe get caught up on uh, and She-Hulk. She-Hulk's done now, so maybe I can have a few weeks to get caught up on Andor. I'm like three episodes back on Andor right now. Yeah, like if, if, the, if the question that you posed earlier about when does it become too much, I honestly think that point is in the rearview mirror. I think we passed it a while ago. Yeah. I can't quite pin it down, but I think it probably got going around the time that Disney bought Marvel and Star Wars and just started putting out just scads and scads of material. Yeah. And the other thing that is not... Um, when the, we talk about wringing all the eyeballs and all the dollars out of this stuff we can, the other thing we're not talking about is that the, the Geekosphere does not even have the decency to confine all of this shit to one platform. If you want to watch Star Trek, you got to get Paramount+. Plus. <laughs> if you want to watch Marvel and Star Wars, you got to get Disney+. Plus. If you want to watch, uh, you know... Uh, most of the other things you got to get Hulu. Oh, then, of course, Netflix has Stranger Things and Netflix has Squid Game. and that, you know, So, like we talked about in the uh, cord-cutting versus streaming episode, if you're paying for every streaming service, you're really paying the same as you would with cable, yep, especially because yep. they keep on hiking the rates. I mean, my Netflix subscription is up to like 15 bucks a month now because I yep. get the uh, two-screen 4K no-ads version of it. And, and uh, you know, I, but, uh, I, I just... It's so much. It is so much, and... It's kind of it almost dovetails into, and we've talked a little bit about neurodivergence here and there, um, because we were 
sort of of the last generation before that stuff was really well understood, but a lot of us fucking deal with it anyway. Oh, and yeah. weren't diagnosed and weren't medicated and weren't therapized and didn't do all the things we were supposed to. But at some, there's a concept in neurodivergence called executive dysfunction. When you're staring down the to-do list of all the things that you have to do, and it's so overwhelming that you look at it and you think, I don't even know where to start. So I'm not gonna. I'm just gonna sit on my hands and just be overwhelmed by this for a minute. And, you know, if you have found coping mechanisms, you do what you can to kind of put your hands back on the keyboard or back on the machine or whatever it is that you do, and you get it the fuck done. But... For the most part, I have that sometimes. I open my queue in the morning, I look at it, and I go, oh, shit, I got fucking all this. Uh, I need to make some coffee. So I go and do that, and I take a breath, and I take a little bit of a break before I even start, and then I dive in. But this is, to me, it feels like a very similar phenomenon. It feels like the entertainment version of executive dysfunction. I don't really want to do the work today. I don't really want to do the work today. I don't want to do the work today. I got all this shit in my queue on Paramount, all this shit in my queue on Disney, all this shit in my Netflix and Hulu queue. I don't have time, so I'm just not going to watch any of it. I'm going to go to YouTube and watch shit five or ten minutes at a time because that's my attention span today. And it really does feel like a very analogous phenomenon, and uh, I'm not sure how to get around it. I got the same thing piling up on me with video games now, too, because... Oh, God, I was just uh, thinking that. Yeah, because I've got all these different Xbox games and, and, and PS5 and all these live streaming services that I use for these games now, which, you know, cause I, I don't really buy a lot of physical media anymore uh, because yeah. of those things. Um, but I've got all these games built up in my queue, uh, ready to play, downloaded, ready to go, and such a very limited time window with which to do it that I'm overwhelmed and I half the time don't do it. Like, I'll sit there and yeah. go like, okay, I have a couple hours, maybe I'll play a video game. What game should I play? Oh, well, I was supposed to play this game, I was supposed to get back into Stray. Oh, well, I got No Man's Sky, I gotta dig into No Man's Sky. I haven't finished Stray yet either. I heard they got an update to this game, oh, I gotta go play this game a little bit more, and then, and then oh, I've got all the hundreds of thousands of games on my emulator, I can play some of those. I was like, you know what, fuck it, I'm gonna watch TV, I'm done, I'm gonna watch YouTube. I'm and then you go to, to TV and you you have the same problem. Yeah, same thing with right. like we talked about earlier with uh, No Man's Sky. It's just it's such a daunting prospect to get into it. I want to play it because it's good now, but yeah. at the same time, I just oh god, forty three quintillion planets. I don't have time to to work and uh, on cleaning up my fucking bedroom. How do I how do I deal with that many planets? And to a certain degree, I think this idea that bigger is better. Uh, Steph Sterling has touched on this too. Has had has done a couple of videos on their channel about. You know, does length, does girth, and I mean that sort of like pun intended. <laughs> Do these things equal quality? I mean, you, you look even a, a series of games that I'm committed to keeping up with, like Assassin's Creed. The number of times people have asked, "Why are they coming out with so many Assassin's Creed games? Who are they for?" Me. They're for me. <laughs> I love those games. I love the historical tourism. I love the lore. I love the gameplay. I love all of it. But. There were a couple of DLC packs for uh, Ragnarok that I... Not Ragnarok. Valhalla. Jesus, I'm even getting my fucking franchises mixed up now because God of, God of War Ragnarok comes out in, this week. Um, mm. But yeah. That's uh, another Assassin's one Creed I got Valhalla. about. Damn it. Jesus Christ. It, this is what we're talking about. It's so confusing that it just starts to overlap after a while. But even, even the Assassin's Creed series, which I ardently, passionately love, um, yeah. I, I still have... I, I haven't technically finished... Valhalla because I bought a season pass and downloaded the DLC and there it sits because the original game itself was just so overwhelming used mm-hmm. to be even in a, a, a giant game a giant sandbox game like a like a GTA or a Saints Row or even the Witcher 3 you could 
realistically finish that in two or three months if you just committed to playing it a little bit every day. And well, it was even satisfying. Skyrim you could finish, quote-unquote. Yeah, you know, in theory. And that was uh, going on 12 years ago now. Um, but yeah, it's just so much. And every time that I read about like Bethesda or Volition or something coming up, it's got at least 500 hours of gameplay in it. There's uh, you know 3,000 explorable locations and 17 different character types. And it's like, Jesus Christ, I'm going to play it. But and 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 I have I have to acknowledge that again, getting back into the neurodivergence angle of things, um, I'm not going to make light of mental illness, but I, I feel like I'm a little OCD in certain contexts because in these sandbox games, I got to open every door, I got to find every key, I got to open every chest, overturn every stone, find yeah. every secret room. And it, I, otherwise, I feel like I'm not getting my full experience. It's not even like I'm getting my money's worth thing now because you know the games are seventy bucks, whatever. But I'm just you know I have to get every drop of these. If they put it in, I want to see it. And so when you've got a game like Fallout Three or like Skyrim, and these are again like ten, twelve year old games, even then things were just overwhelming and massive. And now we got to the point where Assassin's Creed Valhalla, I still haven't finished it. Probably won't. Because, again, like you said, there are just so many things constantly coming out that demand attention that, oh my God, where does it end? Where does it end? Where, where does it even start a lot of the time? No, I get you. And, and that's kind of what we wanted to discuss today. Because, uh, I mean, we have this, we, we often talk about being in a media glutton and a nerd time. It's a great time to be a nerd with all this uh, uh, positive, wonderful attention to nerd media and comic books and movies and, and all this shit. But at the same time, it's 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 overwhelming, and yeah. and it's just it's so much. And I mean, I'm glad it's not just me because oftentimes I feel fucking like it's just me. Like I'm the only one getting bogged down in all the bullshit. I haven't finished Valhalla yet, but I mean, I'm not like you. I mean, and I don't mean that in a negative way. I'm not like you. But, well, I mean, you could, and you'd be justified <laughs> doing that. I'm just, I'm not, uh, I'm not as ardent and rabid a fan as as you seem to be, which is fine. Uh, but I mean, we're talking about a guy who put like 120, 130 hours into Skyrim like six times. So I mean, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I only put 500 hours in once, but like I said, I wrung every drop of content out of that game. We've talked about this before. Like you know, Skyrim is just one of those perpetually popular properties, which is a mouthful to say. But yeah. Todd Howard has put that thing on fucking everything. You can buy, you can play Skyrim on a smart refrigerator if you want to. Um, but I put all of my time into that game on the Xbox 360 version when it originally came out in 2011. And uh, I just, again, it's kind of like No Man's Sky. It was such an overwhelming, daunting prospect to build that those characters and to to become, you know, the the uh, the, the Dragonborn and to have all the Daedric armor and you're the Dean of Winterhold and you, you've achieved every title the game can throw at you. And you're still not technically finished because the Brotherhood can give you assassination missions if I fired that thing up ten years later. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, it's there's just so much. And I, I can't, even as a committed geek, I'm having a very, very hard time keeping up with it. Yeah, I mean, that's just that's kind of where I'm at with it all. Uh, I And I love all the Star Wars stuff. And we just sat and binged. They had uh, a new series called Tales of the Jedi come out. Uh, this last week and so we sat and instead of starting werewolf by night because maria was in the room and maria was not wanting to watch anything with werewolves in it yeah uh so we put that on the back burner again and we ended up watching tales of the jedi and 
it's like a little anthology, a little uh, 15, 20 minute bits, uh, like six episodes that follow uh, Ahsoka Tano, uh, rising to be Ahsoka Tano from birth up. And then also we get to witness the fall of Count Dooku from Jedi to Sith. And it's re it was really, really well done. Uh, that same basic style as the Clone Wars and Rebels with that, that animation style. And it was really wonderfully done. And uh, it gives you a lot more depth of, of character on, on, on someone who could have been kind of seen as, as two-dimensional, Count Dooku. Uh, can kind of be seen as two-dimensional because you didn't really get a lot of his characterization in the canon universe. Uh, so if you weren't reading the books, you didn't really get that. You didn't get to see why he became disillusioned with the Jedi. You didn't get to see why he kind of started shifting towards the dark side. And, and you get to see that in these shorts. And it's really fantastic. And uh, the ultimate act of betrayal that kind of put him in deeply in Sidious's pocket was uh, uh, the final fate of Jedi Council member uh, Yaddle, which is uh, the female of Yoda's species, which they haven't named yet. So, But a fantastic series. I highly recommend it. But that's just it. There's so much star wars that it's just almost impossible to keep up with it all uh, yeah i i've still not finished clone wars or rebels i started both never really finished it i haven't watched the bad batch yet um and, and i've always got the intention to but the the, yeah. the not the spirit is willing the flesh is weak it's more like the spirit <laughs> is willing but the uh the clock is weak there's not enough hours in the day um but I love all things Marvel. I'm obviously still not caught up with Marvel. Uh, I love all things uh, fucking DC even. I'll give DC the fact that uh, I love Batman. The new news a Batman movie. and I've heard good things yeah. about Black Adam. I just haven't had a chance to get out and see it yet. I, I just Same. haven't had a chance. And uh, maybe I'll make time for that this weekend. I'll see if my boy wants to go see that shit drag his ass to the movie theater. I'm sure he wouldn't argue. I'm but, sure he uh, wouldn't. <laughs> but I mean, at, at, that's the different kind of flip sides of these coins. Like on the one hand, I feel like we're giving a lot of power to these trolls by, by overstuffing them and, and maybe the quality dips, maybe it doesn't, maybe that's just something uh, like if you're going to get super granular about something, it's like, well, this didn't happen the right way or or Tolkien never meant for this to happen in the Rings of Power and and blah 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 and, and things like that. But like the biggest thing on uh, House of the Dragon was people were just pissed because House Valerian are portrayed as people of color, and yeah. people are just up in their shit about it. Um, oh my God, you know why? Why'd you have to make them black? And it's like, well, you know, we didn't have to. We wanted to. But the fact of the matter is, it serves the point of the story. And I'm, I'm going to kind of spoil it a little bit for those of you out there who haven't seen it yet. But it's been a few weeks. It's past due. And and really, it's been like months since they revealed this part of the storyline. But uh, Princess Rhaenyra married uh, one of the uh, the higher-ups in the Valerian household. That was her, her sworn duty to her father, the king, was to marry and combine their houses. As you do. As you do. And, uh, of course, the Valerian uh, in question was black. He was also very, very gay. But... Uh, That's neither here nor there. Right. 
Well, I mean, it is here and there. It matters, but uh, he's he's black, and and the Valerians have this shock white hair. That's kind of their their trademark, right? Their thing. And so when her kids buy quote unquote this guy, the Valerian guy, uh, whose name escapes me, um, uh, they when they came out white and dark haired, it was rather evident that he was not the father. But no one would say bum, it. Bum, bum. The king forbade anyone to, to mention the word bastard to, around, and, and because he would not have his daughter's honor called into question and all this shit. And so it became like a we really... don't talk about the fact that Charles really isn't Harry's father. <laughs> I mean... Uh, you know? You know? But, but, I mean, that's just it. Because it, it not only did they cast these people of color just because... I mean, it's the right thing to do, and, and they fucking deserve it, and why yeah. the fuck not? But if you look at it, it serves as a very visual indicator of, hey, uh, shenanigans, you know? And so it fit the storyline perfectly. People are pissed off. People are up in their fields. Oh, uh, Tolkien can't have black hobbits. Tolkien can't have black dwarfs. Things like that. It's like, God damn it, really? I mean, again, like you said, if you can believe in this fucking... The cantina in, in Star Wars being full of fucking aliens of all stripe, all manner. But you can't believe the fact that humans come in more than one color? Go fuck yourself. The problem is you. You know? <laughs> yeah. Yes. And so, so yes, on the one hand, I feel like we're feeding trolls. We're giving them a lot more to bitch about, a lot more to kvetch about, and, and really just... <sighs> that's going to happen. I feel like that's inevitable. And, and, and that's going to be inevitable just based on the media communications of social media. I mean, just giving everyone a platform just gives everyone a right to bitch. But, then there's the fact and, uh, that... And uh, about Twitter, we will not speak. No. The less said about Twitter, the better. Um, mm -hmm. But, then we got the, you know, the glut of, of, of media being too daunting a mountain to overtake uh, for those of us with executive dysfunction. And, and, and like you're saying, it's just too daunting, too, too monstrous a task to get to the bottom of everything. Yeah. And it really starts to feel like work instead of something it that does. you do to enjoy. Your entertainment queue looks like it's a do list if it's just as overwhelming as the stuff you're supposed to do at work all day long. Right. And so, I mean, those are kind of the different aspects of that. Am I missing anything, you think? Or No, I don't think so. I mean, I, I know that this is something that uh, we've both been feeling a lot, and we've both sort of yeah. talked about in passing, both, uh, you know, just on Facebook and sort of uh, uh, mentioning it in, in passing in, in previous episodes. But it's, uh, man, if people like us, if people like us who are committed video game nerds, who love comic books, who yeah. love superhero movies, if, if we are having a hard time... Uh, you know, we, we love geek shit so much we made a podcast about it. But if we're having a hard time keeping up with all this stuff, I can't even imagine how like a casual fan who just enjoys it on a very uh, you know on their own level, who's not obsessive about it, how they manage to 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 mitigate all this, how they juggle all these different properties between video games and comic books and graphic novels and book books and movies and TV. It's uh, we are living in a golden age of entertainment, um, but in, in many ways it's it's also as much of a curse as it is a blessing. You know, I started reading comic books again while I'm at work because I've got this huge phone now, this uh, this uh, Galaxy Z Fold Four, and this thing opens up and it's basically a tablet. And yeah. so at work, I've been digging into that Comicology subscription that I've been paying for that I haven't been using much of. 
and I've been downloading graphic novels from because they've got a huge selection of free graphic novels that you can download. And so I've been downloading all these graphic novels, and I'm jumping into some storylines like. Uh, I talked about how uh, the thing with the X-Men now with their island nation of Krakoa and how, you know, they've got the resurrection protocols in place and they can resurrect mm-hmm. any time now. And I hadn't dug into that storyline because it's like, where the hell do you even begin? And so I finally, uh, I downloaded the graphic novels and I started digging into that. Not a huge fan of it, honestly. I'm going to say this is yeah. not a version of the X-Men that I really grok to, but I mean, that's going to happen. But... I, I pop open one of these graphic novels the other day to start digging through it, and it's like 700 pages long, and I'm like, fuck! Good Christ. Even self-contained <laughs> pieces of entertainment are it's overwhelming. too much. Too much. And uh, I'll tell you a good one I read. was this uh, Deceased. is a DC comic that they did uh, set in a universe where uh, the anti-life equation that Darkseid's always been chasing uh, got corrupted. And turned everyone into zombies. And it's the story of the DC universe overcoming the zombies and who falls, who lives. And it, it was fascinating. I really enjoyed that. Um, well, Marvel zombies has been a thing for quite a while. So, you know, yeah. give, the, uh, give the undead to DC too. Do the, you know, it's right there in the name, Deceased. Yeah, and it's been great. Um, one of the first to fall was actually Batman. And that really kind of fucking threw Ooh. me for a loop. So. You would think uh, he'd be the kind of the survival king. He'd be fighting those guys off until the end. It would just be Batman on a rooftop slinging batarangs into the brains of zombies climbing up the sides. You know who got him? Fucking got Dick. Him? Dick. Uh, he got back to the bat cave. He got back to the manor. And, and uh, uh, because the virus transmits, it was transmitted either through blood or it was transmitted digitally because it was it was initially broadcast by Cyborg accidentally. And... Uh, so it, it broadcasts to every device across the planet instantly. I mean, so I've heard any, of getting the virus from your QR code, but that's kind of crazy. <laughs> right. So anyone looking at a screen, a phone, a, a tablet, a laptop, a phone, or a, a TV, or anything like that, instantly turn. And mm. then they, they, of course, rage zombie out and then become the infected. And they can infect through blood. And so Batman gets home. And finds that Alfred is being attacked by Dick and Tim. And oh, no. uh, so he has to put Dick and Tim down. And in the process, gets scratched as well. Dick gets it. <sighs> and so fucking... The only two to survive at that point of the Bat family was... Uh, actually, spoiler survived for a while. But fucking uh, Damien survived and become the new Batman... And uh, Alfred survived, and then Red Hood survived for a while. But uh, and very famously, Red Hood dug a grave for Bat uh, for Batman in the Batcave, and it said "Father Mentor Bastard" <laughs> It's like as only hey, Jason Todd perfect. could say, right? But anyways, that's a anyways that's all just aside. But yeah, I, I'm I'm finding the same thing now with my with my comic book queue. It's just like ah, 700 pages. Fuck. But I yeah, can't stop. I gotta stop. be really judicious with the things that mm. I pick down, which is why I, I've kind of had to say, hey, I missed the boat on Trek. I missed the boat on Doctor Who. I really don't have time to dig into the extended Star Wars stuff. I just, you, you, it's, you have to make choices, 
And even if there's only a certain amount of hours in the day where you got to feed in things like work and showering and shitting and go, you know, and and taking. I care finally, of I else finally you have shaved. I finally shaved. It took me a while. Hey, yo. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, I mean, squeezing in all that stuff is tough. So you, you, it's. I have to make choices, and I think a lot of people are probably going to be in the same boat with this one. We have to actually make judicious choices about what franchises, what properties, what series, what whole universes we're going to follow because. I mean, geez, and, and even then I still feel bad, because I feel, I feel bad that, I mean, I like Star Wars, you know, Star Wars is just one of those pieces of the American fabric that it's kind of like nobody uh, says, you know, what kind of, uh, nobody says, are you a music fan, they say, what kind of music do you listen to? Right. Everybody is a little bit of a Beatles fan just because of the ubiquity. Some people buy the merchandise and buy the albums and go to see Paul McCartney play solo shows, other people just hear on the radio and tap their fingers on the steering wheel. So I feel like Star Wars is kind of like that. It's pretty much pervaded the culture enough that everybody's been exposed to it and everybody has an opinion on it but the fact that i enjoy star wars but i still had to make the conscious choice to go yeah i just can't keep up on 10 or 12 episodes of 17 different series plus all these extra movies and and uh, God, i don't and the games uh, God, i don't have time i don't have time and right. i feel i feel bad about it i don't feel bad about certain things like doctor who everybody that i know who loves it is somebody whose opinion i respect but i'm like i, I don't have time to catch up on 60 years worth of tv Right. Um, so that I don't feel bad about. But things like Star Wars, I do. You know, things like uh, the, the Cobra Kai, I do. I loved all the Karate Kid movies. I still haven't even started Cobra Kai. But it really just boils down to you only have a certain amount of hours in the day. How do you elect to spend them? And you just have to walk away from certain things. Yeah, I get it. Well, I mean, it's not that deep a subject, but I feel like uh, uh, you guys out there listening might have something to say about this. Uh, give us a, a shout and let us know how you weigh in on this. Is it too much? Is it too fan servicey? Does it does it give you too much to bitch about? I mean, how do you how do you weigh in? What's your point? What's your take on all the Marvel, all the Star Wars, all the uh, video games, all this glut of nerd uh, surrounding media? I mean, just what is your take on it? Hit us up on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash fuel your fandom. Send us an email. You can hit us up at fuelyourfandom at gmail.com. The backup email address is fyftalentbooking at gmail.com. We're on Twitter for now at fuel underscore yeah. your. We're on Instagram at, at fuelyourfandom. And you can always find us any place that fine podcasts are bought, sold, traded, and bartered. Places like Audible, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, and all of the usual suspects. However you get us into your holes, we are grateful that you do. Absolutely. Uh, as an aside, hey Jim, I got my uh, latest in my uh, arcade cabinets from Replicades uh, the other day. Oh yeah, the Missile Command. It was really cool. And I get apparently Ooh, the other one. Come with a tiny trackball. It does. And wow. uh, the new one, uh, I ordered a pair, um, the special edition one and the regular one. And the special edition one comes today, so I'm looking forward to unboxing that when I get home today. From it's always nice to have a pair of trackballs. Yeah. Well. I like to fit on my trackballs. What can I say? Hello. But one for each finger. That's right. That's right. But we want to thank you again for listening to another episode of the Feel Your Phantom Podcast. As ranty and uh, uh, full of twists and turns as this conversation gets, and you know what you were in for. You know what this was. Yeah. Yeah. You know. You know who we are. And the fact that you still have this glut of entertainment to choose from, and you still choose to spend a little time with us every week, or however often you listen, it's just, right. it touches me somewhere special. We're eternally grateful. We are eternally grateful. It touches Jim in his spooky cave. It does. Uh, <laughs> I'm glad you picked up what I was laying down there, Hermano. Oh, gross. 
but we want to thank you guys for listening. We truly do appreciate it. It is something that warms our tiny, cold, broken hearts. So uh, from Jim and I both, we want to say thank you for listening. And please do remember, everything, and I do mean everything, is fandom. And fandom is everything. Take care. Hi everybody, welcome to... Damn.